0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson. NFL. We've got some primetime games to cover here. I really want to hear your take on the Steelers and where they're at after losing to the Bills Sunday night, but let's start with Monday Night Football and about as close to a perfect game as a quarterback can throw in the NFL with Drew Brees and a record-breaking night, and he's just playing phenomenal football right now.
1: Yeah, he really is. Um, in some of those situations, i start with the Colts because they're in a bad place. They're banged up. They're trying to hang on. They just don't have enough. And I always feel for those teams that walk into a stadium where something historic is going to happen or, you know, on a Monday night or whoever hosts opening night and they're like, putting the banners up from the Super Bowl from yeah. the year before. You know, like, it's just an awful situation for the road team to walk into. And I'm sure New Orleans was all sorts of lubed up. And, you know, their their favorite boy, you know, Drew Brees, who was so instrumental when the tragedies happened there too and has been such a great player for so long to see him do that. And then the ball never, like, hits the ground the whole night
0: crazy and the Colts officially eliminated from playoff contention too so there was that going on it's, it's a season that the Colts I think didn't go the way they had hoped so everything really stacked against them but Drew Brees going off an absolute masterpiece 29 of 30 he was really upset after the game letting that one ball hit the ground and it was just a throw to a running back but 96.7% not bad 307 <laughs> yards four touchdowns And, of course, besting Peyton Manning's all-time mark for touchdown passes in NFL history along the way. 541 and counting now until Tom Brady at 538 and Breeze. I feel like they're going to trade that record back and forth at least a few times here. And, And the guy who ends up with that record is the guy who plays the longest.
1: Yeah, and I think Breeze, though, has weather on his side, you know, I mean, especially this time of year. I think he's playing better of the two. Certainly has the better supporting cast right now, better weapons, and I don't know what you think, but if you had to put a chip down of which guy played longer, I think I would say Breeze or played more years from now on, not not total years.
0: Yes, I uh, Breeze is what one year younger, so I think so. I or maybe even two years younger, but so I, I think he might have that advantage to, to play one more year after Brady decides to hang it up, and if they play the same amount of years. I think Breeze's numbers are going to be a little bit bigger as far as touchdown passes go, and, and he's already got the yardage record. And what's interesting with Breeze and Brady conversation is that was my – I don't know if you remember this, but going back to the preseason, that was my Super Bowl pick. It was the the retirement, the winner-go-home match, Breeze <laughs> over Brady in the Super Bowl was my, was my pick. So – um The New Orleans Saints looking like they're going to be that team that's going to be knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. They're obviously in the playoffs already and just really hitting their peak. And I was wondering last week because Drew Brees torched the 49ers for 46 points and we hadn't seen the 49ers defense give up nearly that. And they had even beaten Hall of Fame quarterbacks pretty soundly already this season and then you see Drew Brees come back and do it again, and it's just like, wow, this guy, and maybe there's something to it. We talked with Ross Jackson last week here on the show. He's the host of Locked on Saints, and he mentioned how Teddy Bridgewater early in the season got a five-game run. And not only were the Saints good enough to go 5-0 and during those games, but it gave Drew Brees a rest, and it might just be that extra bit of rest that his arm needs to really carry him through.
1: Yeah, that was something we talked about recently in that, Last year, I really thought Rivers, Brady, Breeze, you know, the old dudes, this time of year were starting to show their age. You know, just the the fatigue of the season had beaten them up and worn them down. And and maybe that time off is exactly what Breeze needs because these last two games have probably been his best two games of the season or best two games in the last three seasons.
0: What about the Colts and their quarterback situation? If you're the Colts and there is they're going to be drafting right around the middle of
1: the first round, and there's a quarterback on the board. Do you make that call? See, I'm a Brissette guy, and I, I still am in his camp. I would. They just gave him money. They have a wealth of second-round picks. I mean, they could use their draft capital to move up if they wanted, but my thoughts on it would be let's build around him, realizing he probably will never be a top-10 guy, But the weaponry was just so beat up and poor this past year. I mean, they went out and got Campbell and Funchess and got nothing from those guys. Hilton, how much longer are you going to get something out of him? I mean, I would rather trade up for Jerry Judy than I would trade up for Herbert or somebody like that. And it's supposed to be a great receiver draft. Maybe you can add a stud where you're at or move up a handful of spots and get one of these dynamic receivers and then use a bunch of second-round picks on defense.
0: The Paris Campbell draft pick was still a little bit of a head-scratcher for me because he didn't seem like the kind of project sort of running back slash wide receiver that the Colts' offense needed, whether it was going to be Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett throwing the football. And obviously, he's taken a little bit of time and a uh, raw player, and they really haven't even utilized him in the way that you would re- utilize that type of player. And it's the head coach is the guy that really wanted him, too. So that that was that's a little bit curious, the way things have gone on on. Really on offense and on defense, the bend don't break thing kind of broke last night.
1: Yeah, and in general, I know the 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 Colts' defensive system isn't going to cut it for me. I think you need to be a little more aggressive, a little bit more man heavy, um, more multiple fronts. You know, not just dropping into zones. And of course, they do. They're not not one hundred percent what they do, but I do think they need to throw more at you defensively. Right and and if they are going to stick with what they have, Booger made a good point last night, and I don't say that very often, but you know, this is a similar system to what he played with Tampa. They really need that three technique interior rush guy, you know, the Warren Sapp type of player, and they don't have anything close to that.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and one of the better points Booger brought up in uh, the way that a Tampa two defense is built. When you look at the receiving group too for the Colts here to to sort of wrap this thing up, um, here were the leading receivers. For the Colts. Of course, T.Y. Hilton, he had four catches on nine targets, so not a great night for him, 25 yards. The rest of the receivers were Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson, Dontrell Inman, Jack Doyle, uh, Naheem Hines, Ashton Doolin. I mean, there's just the weapons there is like, how do you compete with a team on that fast track in New Orleans when that's who you're throwing the ball to?
1: Right. Like, Zach Pascal is a nice story that this year that looks like he's a long term keeper but he can't be your best weapon any given week. You know what I mean? I mean, it's been too many of those situations where he's your best guy. I mean, you're just too easy to play against. So back to your original point, I think it's hard to criticize or critique Brissette when everyone knows you have a good line and you're going to run, but you got no weaponry. I mean, defensive coordinators eat that up.
0: Is it fair to say that if you were drafting, say, 15 overall for the Colts and the quarterback falls to you, maybe you make that play, but it's not a thing where you're going to go up and try to make sure you do everything you can to go get
1: a quarterback? Maybe, but I still would lean towards Ruggs or Judy or whoever the the best receiver is at that point and give Brissett a total year of confidence as the man with more around him, make a run possibly into that division, and address it a year from now if it doesn't work out.
0: I wonder what the the Saints are going to do at quarterback. I wonder how long they think Breeze is going to play and Teddy Bridgewater, does he want to just sit there and be a backup forever? It's, that's an interesting one too, and you got Taysom Hill as well.
1: Yeah, good point. I mean, I tend to think that neither one of them are really the successor, to be very honest with you. I mean, I I know Bridgewater won games, and he's very likable, but I, I don't see obvious starter traits there. And I know Peyton often talks about, you know, Taysom Hills, the next Steve Young. Maybe. I mean, how many passes have we really seen him throw? And, you know, he's not Drew Brees.
0: Right. Yeah. And he's got a nice arm and he's you know physically an impressive human being. But Drew Brees is a guy you can't replace. It's like you almost don't want to be the guy who has to replace Drew Brees. Right. If you're if you're Teddy Bridgewater, go somewhere else, get a shot. And then, you know, who knows, maybe even come back in a couple of years because Drew Brees might play. Drew Brees, we talked about this before, about players that are your age or older than you, and you want him to play forever. So that's why Tom Brady, I hope he plays until he's 50. But I I kind of want to see, just as the curious fan in me, I want to see like Breeze apart from Belichick. I want to see, I mean, I want to see Brady apart yeah. from Belichick. Breeze is not going to be apart from Peyton, but Peyton after Breeze is going to be an interesting one because he's going to coach longer than Breeze. And I'm really interested to see how those things turn out because those quarterback coach connections are just so strong and that's what the league is built around right now
1: yeah that's a good point it would be fun to i know the world doesn't work this way but five years ago if we could take brady and threw him on the browns and see what happens you know just i mean these guys are too smart to do things like that but um back to the saints real quick in the bridgewater situation i look at the saints as Absolutely one of the most aggressive in-it-to-win-it-now teams. They're always up against the cap. They'll go trade for a guy. They know they have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they're not as worried about the future as others. And that's what I really think why they invested in Bridgewater is exactly how it happened this year. If, If Breeze is going to go down for a month, this is one of the better backups in the league, but not looking at him like, hey, he's going to be the guy here for 10 years
0: we've got to move on here. We've got to talk Steelers, Bills. We've got to talk Chiefs, Terrell Suggs, Jaguars. Got some notes on the Seahawks as well. Coming up next. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcasts for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at BD Peacock or at Williamson NFL on Twitter. And we will share and retweet. So, Josh Gordon suspended again, Matt, indefinitely for PED slash substances of abuse, and he's had the the substance problem for a long time, and it's rough. It's his eighth career suspension, and something that's probably not all that surprising. It's, it's tough for the guy. You, you'd hoped he had gotten over the hump, and it looked like he might have, but apparently not, and suspended indefinitely, and the Seahawks losing some pieces here down the stretch. First of all, Josh Gordon, but... Two important pieces on the Seattle defense hurt Sunday, Bobby Wagner and Quandre Diggs. The Wagner injury at the time looked like it could be a really bad one. It looks like they're both ankle sprains. I don't know the severity of those sprains could hold them out for a little while. Maybe that's a situation where they're not back for the playoffs. There's that Week 17 matchup for the NFC West with the 49ers and Seahawks. And if Bobby Wagner and Quandre Diggs aren't back, you have uh, George Kittle there that would be a much tougher to stop for Seattle. So, you know, that's just something to monitor there with the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, and Clowney was already inactive this past week. And frankly, I don't think they're very good on defense on their best day. Um, We'll we'll stick with football with Gordon more so. But, I mean, I feel for him. I I wonder if the Patriots had an inkling this was coming or that he was having trouble off the field. And when they let him go, um, you know, I, I... I feel for the kid, I mean, it's unfortunate that his career has been derailed so often by his habits off the field that, I mean, frankly, my opinion on some of them are he's not really hurting anyone but himself, but, right. you know, that's a that's a whole different story, I guess. Um, the, the trio they had there at receiver, though, looked pretty good, you know, with Metcalf and Lockett Um, I do think it's noteworthy that Lockett is back to being Lockett. If he looked like the guy a couple weeks ago that was fighting injuries, I'd really be worried here that Wilson is Superman, but can only do so much. Um, So he'll be lost, but I still think the offense is quite potent.
0: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, DK Metcalf still leads NFL rookie-wide receivers in catches and yards. We went over those rookie-wide receivers last week, or was it the week before, but a lot of good... Rookie wide receivers making waves in the NFL this year. But yeah, Lockett, DK Metcalf, you still have them to hang your hat on. I think you're in good shape, at least with those two guys, as far as the passing game goes for the Seahawks. And Josh Gordon did make a really big play last week, a nice catch. He threw an interception, which was an oddity that I didn't expect uh, <laughs> yeah. to see happen, him uh, lining up and throwing the football. But um, yeah, the Seahawks, it's something to monitor. And and this is what happens late in the NFL season, the injury factor is going to be big and and who's going to be able to limp through this and and get healthy and be healthiest in the playoffs and uh, that's going to be probably one of the better teams in the tournament
1: yeah um man though i mean i've doubted this team for a couple of years and <laughs> a lot of it's i just don't think they're super talented i mean the offensive line to me is average the defense has three or four nice pieces but other than that i think it's below average it's you know the, they run the ball extremely well and the receivers are pretty good like we mentioned but it, it's it's wilson you know i mean right. if if he's not on his best day i i don't know how they win in the NFC playoffs if he just happens to be his b game i mean they're so dependent on him
0: do you have the 49ers and the saints still as your top tier of teams and then there's a gap between say the Packers and the Seahawks and I think you even like the the Vikings as the number three team in the NFC is that still where you're at
1: I am yeah I mean the Niners left a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth with that Atlanta loss, but they have a lot of injuries. I think they'll be okay. On their best day, I think they're probably the best team in the NFC. Actually, to be this is crazy, but on their best day, Dallas might be the best team in the NFC. You just never <laughs> right. see their best team. Yeah. You know? Just, right. If you happen to get them on the wrong day, look out. Um, but no, I do think the Niners and the Saints would be one and two in some order. Vikes. Seattle, Green Bay. I know Green Bay has been fans have been getting on me. Like, give them some respect. They don't ever lose, but I don't think they're a great team. And then I mentioned Dallas, that they're so Jekyll and Hyde, but if you get Hyde, look out.
0: Right, which makes it so difficult for a team that's maybe twelve and four that's gonna have to go on the road to an eight and eight Dallas Cowboys team in the first round of the playoffs. And you might get that really good team. And there goes your twelve and four season week one of the playoffs.
1: Right, right, exactly. I'm with you on that.
0: Let's take a look at the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs claimed Terrell Suggs, who was released by the Cardinals last week, getting in a little extra help, and it looks like the few playoff teams that we just talked about were the teams that did claim Terrell Suggs off of waivers. Uh, Surprising to me that the Patriots and Ravens were not two of those teams. It was the Niners, Seahawks, and Saints that put in claims for Suggs, but... The Chiefs were higher, and Suggs will go to the Chiefs and help out that defense off the edge, which I think is nice. And he had threatened that if he didn't go to Baltimore, he was going to not show up, but he said, Yeah, he's in, and he's going to show up in Kansas City.
1: Don't quote me, but I'm not sure that we would know if the Patriots and Ravens put in a claim or not because it just never got to them. You know how the waiver system works? Uh, Well, what am I talking about? We knew the. The other teams you mentioned yeah. were because the Chiefs were just before them. So, yeah, I'm talking that out my butt.
0: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, Schefter reported it, and I think Schefter would have had the whole list. I mean, I guess right. it's possible that maybe he heard through different channels and he wasn't sitting there looking at a list of teams that claimed him on waiver. So I guess it, it is possible that there were some teams that made a claim, obviously, nobody ahead of Kansas City because they would have been awarded Suggs. But it is possible, I guess, that depending on how he got his sources on that, that and it's supposed to I don't think it's supposed to be like reporters aren't supposed to be looking at that list either.
1: No, I think that's supposed to be like supplementary picks, you know, like it's top right. secret, you slide the envelope to the commissioner type of thing, but you don't do it like that anymore. Um, uh, we didn't talk a lot of Suggs. I mean, my, my take on it was the Cardinals did him a favor saying, hey, we're not going to win it this year. Or you're not going to come back after the year. We're going to get young anyways, so go Get in the playoffs and see what you can do with with people that'll want you. And honestly, I thought you could. You only have to pay this guy none of his signing bonus. You only got to pay him like one point five million for the rest of the year and a couple of playoff checks. So use him as a rotational player. Um, all those. I mean, pretty much any team in the race to me should have been in that market. I mean, Seattle could have used them as good as San Francisco is up front. Why not add him as an extra guy? I mean, as good as Pittsburgh is up front, he could spell Dupree and Watt. You know, I mean, to me, any team could use Terrell Suggs for 20 to 25 snaps a game.
0: Right. And the the Patriots thing, even if they thought maybe they didn't want to use him heavily in their rotation or maybe that he was even, you know, a little bit washed at this point, 37 years old, they would want to keep him from the Ravens. And having an earlier spot, they would make That's that him. claim to make sure they keep him from a team that could potentially go and hit Tom Brady. So, the, you know, blocking a team, I think, was even part of it for for some of these like the Seahawks. Uh, you know, trying to keep him away from the Saints and 49ers and things like that. So, um, yeah, Terrell Suggs, though, he's got a new home in Kansas City. I want to stick with that AFC conversation. I
1: I think that that absolutely came into play for the Chiefs, too, because I look at the AFC and feel like the Chiefs and Ravens are on a collision course, and you'd much rather have Suggs in red than you would in purple for that game.
0: That's a great point. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of strategy in claiming a player right now. And by the way, the Saints claimed Janoris Jenkins, so they get some help at cornerback too. The, let's see, where are we at? Oh yeah, the Sunday Night Football. The Bills beat the Steelers 17 to 10. Talking about the playoffs, those are still the two wild card teams. The Steelers' lead is just by a tiebreaker now, so they're going to have to do some damage the rest of the way here. And I want to hear your thoughts on that Steelers team and the performance there against uh, the Buffalo Bills and how you came away feeling about those two teams.
1: It kind of is what I thought it was going to be, to be very honest. Very defensive-minded, um, struggling to get first downs. The Bills were clearly the better team. Um, turnovers were massive. And it just came out today that Duck Hodges is going to be – they're going to they're stick with him as the starter – that would not have been my decision. I would have went to Rudolph. I think it's become very clear that <laughs> there he is that Hodges just doesn't throw the ball well enough at this level. Like this is what you've been seeing all along, and he's gotten away with it a little. But against the but he's that's against the Bengals and the Cardinals defense. Mm-hmm. But the Bills put a lot of people at the line of scrimmage and then all their other second and third level defenders really were between the numbers and just leave their good corners alone on the outside and he can't throw deep outs from the opposite hash i mean like he, i mentioned that you know the, the Colts are easy to play against well hodges is just way too easy to play against and the travis whites of the world are going to jump his passes left and right and as a result the steelers ran the ball far less than they threw it because of the looks at the line of scrimmage, but they should have just kept giving it to Connor anyways. I mean, throwing the ball much more than running it, the Steelers will lose every time with the the guys they have now. Um, Steelers' D looked good. Bills' D was better. Um, Bills had more playmakers on offense and certainly the better quarterback, but I feel like if they played that game ten times, Buffalo would win it six or seven. And if anyone gets to 20 points, they would definitely win.
0: You saw that with Duck Hodges, too, in that Tredavious-White interception, the deep out. It's just like you, he doesn't have that yeah. arm to push that throw and really uh, drive things on defense. Actually, I have a really great stat, and it, it encompasses a few teams, especially in the AFC, that I want to get to. Let's break here. We'll get to that. I've got some notes on the Raiders, the Jaguars, Titans, and some others coming up. If you guys are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. For example, you will find a bunch of new George Kittle designs there, which are fantastic. There's a Lucha Libre George Kittle. There is the People's Tight End version of the George Kittle t-shirt. There is the National Tight End Day T-shirt, officially licensed by George Kittle himself, by the way. Designs for other teams as well. For example, if you know somebody who roots for that football team in Washington, there's a shirt that says, sell the team. In burgundy and gold, Gardner Minshew designs, headbands, and other things when it comes to Gardner Minshew. BreakingTea.com slash locked on. Then search for all the great gifts and shirt designs on that site. Hoodies, tanks, fun sports Gifts go to breakingt dot com slash locked on. Matt, to your point about the Steelers offense, and this is a great note from Scott Barrett, who I feel like I get stats from weekly here at least on the on the program, and he works for Pro Football Focus and does a lot of analysis for fantasy football. But it's always interesting from a fantasy perspective the numbers that you get to see, and I love the work that some of these fantasy guys are doing because in just the the football context, uh, you can really visualize what's happening on the field. And this is since week seven. And the reason that uh, Scott used the best offenses by total yards per play. So this is yards per play.
1: by hmm, like the NFL's metric.
0: Best offenses. This is since week seven. The reason he used week seven as his starting point here, because that was Ryan Tannehill's first start of the season for the Titans. The Titans are number one in the league since then. Total yards per play. number one. Uh, Dallas Cowboys are still number two since week seven. The Baltimore Ravens are number three. And looking at the bottom three teams, 30th is the Denver Broncos, 4.77 total yards per play. 31st is the Pittsburgh Steelers,
1: 4.72. And who's last? The New England Patriots. Wow. I didn't see that one coming. I knew the Steelers would be down there at the bottom. Not surprising at all. Um, But the Steelers and Patriots, I mean, to me, Those two teams and your team have the best defenses in the league. Then teams like the Bills would be in that next tier right below them. Maybe the Rams, although that didn't look so good this past week. Chargers are starting to really climb up that ranks. But, man, I mean, the Patriots' offense is rough. And even even that Bengals game, like if you just look at the stats or the final score, you'd say, oh, they went to Cincinnati and blew them out. Well, kind of. I mean, Mixon ran all over them to start the, the game. Brady threw for like 140 yards. The Bengals bottled up the running attack reasonably well until they were just on the field way too long, and it was the turnovers that killed Cincinnati in that game. And, you know, guys like Gilmore had two picks. I mean, yeah, that defense is awesome, but in today's NFL, it's harder to win with defense than it is, you know, like the Chiefs offense from a year ago. So um, the Steelers for sure, the Patriots to me are probably not contenders. Um, like I said, I really think the Ravens and Chiefs are the class of the AFC, and I'm not sure who's number three right now.
0: By the way, you can find Scott at Scott Barrett DFB on Twitter. He's a great follow, fantasy football or just NFL in general. Um, by the way, you, you mentioned in there and, Bill Belichick, I don't know if it's just one of those things where you heap praise on your opponent, but he called Mixon
1: the best running back in the NFL. Did you hear that? No, but it's funny because when they hired their new coach, I I looked at the Bengals' offense and thought, boy, there's already a lot of similarities in terms of their personnel to the Rams. And one thing I said was, Mixon's a better version than Gurley.
0: Yeah, I remember when you said that. And I know some people on Twitter's eyebrows were raised uh, after that podcast and... It's you know it, it wasn't an insane comment then, and it sure isn't now. Blocking's important. Right. It is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of heaping praise, there was a quote from Chris Harris of the Broncos, the fine cornerback for the Denver Broncos. He said on Patrick Mahomes after playing Kansas City last week that he's the best. There ain't no doubt about it. He's better than Lamar. You still take Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson right now?
1: Yes, I would. I mean... Honestly, right now, I think Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the league. And then it would be Mahomes. And what's interesting is I just got an assignment. I need to go – I have to pick one player 25 years and younger at each position. You know, like I've seen some lists before, like they just give you the top 10 or 25 or whatever of dudes under 25. Well, I'm going to take one offensive lineman, one tight end, one wide receiver, Mm -hmm. and an honorable mention – and I didn't hesitate at all to make Mahomes my quarterback and Lamar my number two, which is kind of shorting a guy like Deshaun Watson, who more often than not would be on a list like that. But that for the young guys, I think there's a clear line of demarcation. That being said, Lamar would be my MVP. Um, I'd rather play against Lamar than Mahomes. I'd much rather build my team around Mahomes than Lamar.
0: I think I agree with you on all points there, but you know what's interesting about that is the longevity factor is one of the reasons I would take Mahomes over Lamar, but Mahomes (laughs) is the one that got injured this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true, and anyone can, of course, and Mahomes certainly has some reckless characteristics as well.
0: The NFL Players Union crushed the Jacksonville Jaguars organization in a statement after winning a grievance this week. The NFL PA said, quote, You as players, at the end of the statement, they said you as players may want to consider this when you have a chance to select your next club. So the Players Union pretty much going out and telling players, don't side with the Jaguars. They're a trash organization, which is is a weird, that's a crazy stance to hear from the NFLPA. And uh, a lot of it circles around the uh, Jaguars finding Dante Fowler $700,000 for missing like 25 mandatory rehab days that wasn't allowed by the collective bargaining agreement to be mandatory Fowler obviously was later traded to the Rams and the fines have been returned now and on Twitter it was um a couple of Jaguars players were basically on Twitter like yep Yep, that's why we're – or former Jaguars players like, that's why we're not there anymore, Allen Robinson and uh, some others. So, yeah, uh, not a great situation going on there in Jacksonville. And something I didn't really even realize about the organization. You knew something was up there with everyone wanting to get out, but it's kind of more clear now.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And they're about as middling an organization as you're going to find. And even that year – what was it, two years ago when they got to the Final Four – um, they crushed the Steelers twice and people think I'm bitter over that but it's really just being <laughs> honest that if you go look at that Jaguars team they faced the easiest schedule in the league that year they had a ridiculous run of quarterback luck like for example like they didn't have to play Andrew Luck like all the guy the, the top quarterbacks on their schedule were all hurt or suspended or like they had an unbelievable stretch of playing easy quarterbacks And that was the one year that all their investments kind of all hit as one. You know, they just invested huge in the off season. But every other year, they've been bottom of the league in terms of everything, really. I mean, just, and as an organization as a whole, they're right at the bottom of the league. I mean, that's, I don't know that the next head coach is going to be super excited to join that organization. Will they make a change? I think they will. The quarterback situation to me is middling. Like everything about it is not real attractive.
0: It was Jalen Ramsey. That was the player I was forgetting about. He said, tried to tell y'all, and he didn't mention what he was talking about on Twitter, but I think everyone knows because it was right about the time that statement came out. And uh, yeah, he's happy to no longer be in Jacksonville and be in Los Angeles instead. One more quick note. We have only uh, 30 seconds. Ramsey
1: usually keeps his mouth shut and is really buttoned up on those things. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised he said
0: anything about that. Uh, One more quick note here is, uh, this is from Jerry McDonald from the Oakland Tribune. He said, Raiders... Coach John Gruden said that Josh Jacobs had trouble getting his shoulder pads off yesterday, and the status for the rest of the season will be in question. Gruden saying, "quote I've coached a long time, and I've had really tough backs, really tough guys, and he's up there at the top of the food chain. I mean, you got to sit him down, right?" And but Gruden said, "No, nah, if he, he if he's cleared, he's going to go. I mean, you know, sit that guy down. Yeah, your season's honest.
1: done. He's one of your most valuable assets. Get him off the field. I'm sure he wants to play." Gruden has a history going back to like Cadillac Williams of just totally grinding his backs into the ground. And I get that you were tough, you know, I mean, we're going to set the Raider tone and this is how we do business here. We're trying to build a culture, but be smart. I mean, just shut them down. You have nothing to play for at this point, you know, save them up. I mean, backs only have so many carries in their body. Why would you put more on him?
0: I totally agree. And Cadillac Williams was the name that I saw brought up a lot in in reply to that and you spent a first round pick on this guy he's your future don't run him into the ground
1: for these two meaningless weeks yeah right i mean he probably shouldn't have played this past week
0: right exactly uh, and i understand <laughs> a player wanting to play you have to save them from themselves sometimes too
1: right right and but the coaches i mean gruden has all the power in the world just be smart about it and think big picture
0: yeah you're still only two years into a 10-year contract and you're going to las vegas have something to to put on the field there when you do get to vegas
1: Yeah, and Jacobs is great, but shut him down. I mean, this time of year, when in doubt teams, put people on ice. Absolutely. All
0: right, that's going to do it for today's program. We will be back Wednesday right here, Locked on NFL.